the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the fourth Sunday in Lent for the week of March 22nd, 2020, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I feel like there has been a lot that has gone on in the world in the last week, and I feel like it's a good place as any just to kind of bring it up right at the front end of this podcast. I know a lot of you are either involved in a church community or working within a church, and I know in a lot of ways we're all being stretched in totally different ways right now. We're being pushed and challenged in new ways and doing things that we weren't expecting to be doing. I know for myself and for my position that I'm in right now, I'm suddenly being thrown into different things that I didn't think I would be doing. I'm now into a video editing app that I literally saw when I signed into it that it's been almost five years since I last touched a video editing program, and that could become part of my weekly reality, at least for the time being. So it's an exciting time within the church and the opportunities that this brings, but I think it's also acknowledging and thinking about that there is going to be some lament, there is going to be some difficulties, and especially within just how much has been changing within our world, we aren't going to be the same coming out of this. And I think it's acknowledging and appreciating and thinking about that that's okay. And what are we learning from this? What are we moving forward in and and as we discuss this and think about this? And I think it leads really well into the Twitter question that I left you guys with last week was, where in the crisis of COVID-19 are you seeing God work? And I'm seeing it in a lot of ways. I know for me personally, I'm seeing churches trying to at least dip their toes into trying to figure out how do we have some type of online service if we can't meet in person. And maybe it's not the permanent move that we're looking at doing, but it's dipping your toes into doing something different to still be able to reach people and meet them where they're at, which I think is a really important thing. I'm seeing also in the communities that I'm in the amount of people who are suddenly coming out of the woodwork who are just wanting to help and wanting to feel that they're physically able to do something and want to physically be able to do that to help other people. And I think that's the awesome thing. I think it's one of these moments in time where we can really have the world possibly come together in a way we haven't seen before in a very, very long time. And it's exciting to me to be able to see people genuinely wanting to help others, I think is really awesome. I had a couple responses this week. One bringing up how people worked together during the 70s with in the United States here when they had the fuel shortage and how people were carpooling and they saw how that was beneficial and how we could work together to get something toward doing that. And that we now have the technology to even take that a step further is really awesome and exciting to see. I think it's also, this person brings up, which is great, that we are being more conscious about our safety and thinking about others others in their safety, but in other areas of our life. How can we make sure that we're staying safe? Not necessarily living by fear, but just reevaluating and making sure that we are thinking about it. And the last point that this Twitter user brought up actually is something I'm going to dive a lot more into this week, 
but hand washing, this thing that everybody has been going obsessed about and how many things we have learned about hand washing. I know my hand washing technique has changed quite a bit here in the last week, but I think it's for the benefit. I think it's something that's been good for me to think about and reflect on. And I think all of us are reflecting and thinking about it some more. And I think it's a positive step forward as we are into this world of change around us. So I'm still here to try to give some normalcy to this thing called life that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. So I better just jump right into it. The gospel text this week is out of John chapter 9 verses 1 through 41. This is Jesus and the blind man. And I think this is a really interesting text and this is not where I'm going to take it, but I will just mention it. As I read this text, I felt like there was a lot of the last two and a half weeks to month within this text. And I think the example that I'll tie into with faith and science will kind of bring it out a little bit more. But I think remember as you are going through this text, as you're potentially preaching on this text, Remember that there might be some baggage based off of what's been going on that this text can bring up. And so be a little cautious as we tread into this text this week. So you have Jesus seeing this blind man. He kind of calls him over and puts mud on his eyelids and heals the man's eyes. Which in the translation, which I've, again, from working preacher stated, it's kind of a bad translation, but he has been blind since birth, which they were arguing if that's really the case, but neither here nor there, and it heals him. And it's interesting also to remember here at this point that he's spitting on the ground, making essentially a mud and tying that back to our Genesis story of creation, how we were a formless void coming out of the mud. But essentially, when this man is healed, Jesus kind of sends him forth, but you have multiple people who are denying that this is happening. You have the Pharisees multiple times who are questioning if it's the same man. People around who are questioning. They call in his parents not once but twice to ask, is this the same man? And yet, even as we get toward the end of this reading, you get the impression that there are still so many people who don't believe it. But yet, the man does And the man is starting to recognize and understand who this must be. And the great line comes from verse 39. Jesus said, I came into the world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. Continuing in the verse 40, some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, we see, your sin remains. Continuing there to verse 40. So this idea of how we are blinded at times to our own sin and we overlook and mistake things that we see as fact and we don't understand. It doesn't fit our worldview. It doesn't. We just have a hard time understanding And sometimes we are blind to that. The first reading is from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. 
And it's an interesting reading to me that this is being paired up with this text because now you have the Lord coming to Samuel, so the prophet who is with the Israelites. And we have to remember the backstory here of that Saul is the king and God didn't initially want a king over Israel. The people insisted they get Saul. Saul does well for a while, and now Saul has fallen off. And essentially, Samuel is leading an overthrow of Saul. So we have him going to anoint the next king. He goes into Bethlehem and gets the elders who are trembling and essentially goes through the process to make sure that they are sanctified to be able to go to this process. They go to Jesse. Jesse has his sons there. They're going through his sons. None of them, none of them, none of them. And it's none of them. The Lord is speaking to Samuel and saying, Samuel then goes and asks the father, do you have any more sons? And the, oh, yes, there's the youngest. He's out with the sheep, you know, we don't think anything of them. Bring them back. And that's the one that God had wanted to be anointing to be the next king, the one who was overlooked, the one who was not thought of highly, the one who was the low, the the meek, the person that was rejected is the one who was going to be the next king, David, and arguably the best king that Israel ever had. The psalm this week is arguably the most familiar psalm in our whole Bible is Psalm 23, the Good Shepherd Psalm, going through and reminding us how the Lord provides for us and is willing and able and is there to guide us through these times when things are hard. And as long as we trust that process, that the blessings and mercy of God will continue to shine forth day after day after day for our whole life. The second reading is from Ephesians chapter 5 verses 8 through 14. And it's a nice breakup of these weeks of Romans that we get from Paul reminding us that we are children of the light and that then we should bear that light and expose it and that it becomes a part of who we are, that others can see that we are of the light and that it is shining through us, that Christ is working through us every single day. But before we get into how this ties to faith and science, we have to do our shameless plugs for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, it's such a great resource to have four seminary professors from Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, discussing the week's text, plus multiple commentaries, plus discussions on multiple different things. There's things up there right now talking about COVID-19 if you're wanting more discussion on that from a Christian viewpoint. It's such a great resource. So if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to help me bring you this podcast week after week. My second shameless plug is for God Friended Me on CBS. Again, if you're needing something to catch up on, to binge, to even really look into, God Friended Me is the thing I would recommend right now. It's this great show of being able to see how God works in individual people and in 
ways that feels really relatable to the world in which we're in and not just some story from long ago, but really embodies it, I think, really well in the characters. And it's a really intriguing story that they have really good writing for the episodes week after week, plus good long arcing themes. So if you haven't checked out Godfriend and Me on CBS, I'd highly recommend it. When we look at these stories, I feel that there are two things that stand out is doubt and trusting God. The doubt that comes from man, the doubt that comes from our human existence, the doubt that comes from us thinking we know better, that doubt that's there, that questioning, the healthy questioning at times that we only have within our own lives. But yet, when we're finding excuses like we have with the Pharisees because it's the Sabbath day, that can't be the Son of Man, because of, is this guy even the same guy? All these doubts that we have and not understanding and acknowledging that something greater could be at work is a problem. This is not the first time, nor will it be the last time in human history that this has happened. We even see it here in the first reading with from 1 Samuel that the people wanted a king. God had told them that, no, you don't want a king. And yes, we do want a king. So he gives them a king and it ends up being a bad king. And so now they're going... God's still working through the situation to give them another king. And David, yes, is arguably the best or one of the best kings of Israel. But at the same point, we see throughout the text that he was still a flawed human being. Science is not any different with this. And I know that we're kind of probably bombarded with COVID-19 stuff, and I so I really didn't want to go that route. But I did find a route that isn't directly related to COVID-19, but yet still touches it in a way that we're all relating to now that I think is a bit of a fresh story that a lot of us probably don't know. The person who came up, with hand washing. Hand washing we know now is just a basic part of cleanliness. This basic idea of being clean and how we maintain our own health is partially due to that you need to wash your hands. You are going to eat a meal, you wash your hands. But that was not always the case. Let me introduce you to Ignaz Semmelweis who was a Hungarian doctor, and he was working in the 1840s in in charge of two maternity clinics within Vienna's General Hospital in Austria. And he had noticed that there were the two wards, the two birthing rooms, one that was done by midwives and essentially people training to be midwives, and one that was done by doctors. The one that was done by midwives, the fatality rate of the mother was about 2%. The room that was done by doctors, the fatality rate was over 10%, and depending on your source, got upwards to almost 15% mortality rate. And so he was then trying to figure out what was going on. 
Why was this happening? What was the thing that was causing the differences? Is it the same hospital? It's just the question on where they're at. And he started looking at the schedules of the people that were working here, that the midwives were pretty much doing midwife work all day, whereas the doctors typically started their day in the morgue and then would eventually get to the birthing room at the end of the day. And at that time, it was seen as like an honor masculine thing that you would have your dirty hands, that you would have this dirty apron that showing the blood of the people that you had worked on in the morgue. That like, oh, look, I, I did something. I was researching this morning. This is before germ theory is a thing. So people aren't understanding this. And the idea that was roaming around and why the one part of the hospital was having women die and the other part not nearly as much was stale air. That the air, there was something just happening in the air and Semuwise wouldn't take that. And so he decided that what if it's something on the hands? And so he started doing some basic disinfecting techniques. And in that, getting these doctors to buy this, he watched the mortality rate in a year drop to under 2% for both sides. He got it to where it was 1.2 to 1.3% mortality rate. It was huge. It was crazy. This was a huge, huge breakthrough. He starts going and trying to talk to other doctor colleagues because this is a catastrophe that is going on. This birthing fever is what they called it, was taking over Europe and the doctors wouldn't listen to him. These committees, these groups that were designed to look into this said, you're absolutely nuts. His supervisor in the Vienna Clinic essentially helped get him out of the Vienna Clinic, and he moved back to Budapest where he was born, and he did the same thing there. He ended up drastically dropping the mortality rate of women giving birth, and yet still was seen as a crazy, as a lunatic, literally putting him into a mental hospital where he died in the 1860s, not long after he died, Louis Pasteur, who you've probably heard of or that sounds familiar as in pasteurization, which you get on your milk, discovered and brought forth germ theory, which still took an extended amount of time to fully gain traction. But based off of the experiments and what he had done, he was better able to show and represent what had happened and why there was actually some evidence behind it. Whereas Semuwise only had observational data and could not explain what was going on. What we know now was microorganisms, not only bacteria, but the microorganisms that are there were causing disease in the body, which was a monumental mind shift to have that idea thrown out, to understand illness that way was monumental, was a huge shift. When I look at this text 
and think about what Jesus is saying and this poor blind man where his parents are essentially saying, ask him, he's of age, he's old enough to say it for himself, but yes, he's our son. And yet they deny him, they deny him, they deny him, they deny him. This can't be this guy, it can't be this. And that guy can't be the savior because he was doing healing on a Sabbath day. This can't be the man. Just doesn't that sound very similar to it can't be just a simple hand washing that's causing this to happen. Semuwise, one of the things that was kind of the major signaling point that he was on to something was one of the doctors in his Vienna hospital while in the morgue cut his finger and ended up getting the same type of birthing sickness that all these women were having, the same symptoms and all this, and ended up dying. And for him, that was enough to say, there has to be some correlation here. The symptoms were the same. He, everything was the same. But yet, when he was going and showing his evidence to larger scientific bodies, they weren't acknowledging that. They weren't willing to open up their mind to the possibility that maybe their idea was wrong. The Pharisees at the end are questioning if they are the ones who are blind. And Jesus responds that if you say that you have no sin and that you see, you're blind. You're missing something. You're not seeing the whole picture. There's so much within science and so much within faith that we are not seeing the whole picture. And we have to remember and acknowledge and keep that door open to other ideas. In the world in which we're in, as we have gotten more and more opinionated, I wonder is if a catastrophe of like that we're in, does it allow for us to have the possibility for us to allow in more possibilities? Does it help us see that in ways that we have been a Pharisee and not letting in new ideas and genuinely listening because we have to remember we're not in control? This is a hard concept, especially as a person who's been born and raised in America and you're free and we can do all this and yet suddenly we're within the confines of our homes. Most of us are confined within our homes. Not all. There's definitely people who are rescue workers or still jobs that bring us out. But how much we're being isolated and told that we have to give up some of these freedoms right now, not for just the betterment of our country, but for the betterment of our world to do that. And I think at this point, it helps us see maybe ways that we have been blind to one another instead of actually being open to hearing what they have to say and genuinely caring and listening to each other. As I went through this text this week and was talking with some other pastors, the question that I ended up raising that I didn't think was significant until I thought about it more was, are we in the middle of a miracle? Because when I'm looking at this gospel text from John, the miracle happens and we're watching everybody get caught up in all the technicalities. And is this the same man? Look what he, when he did this, let's call his family. We got to make sure it's the same guy. This honestly can't be the same guy. This can't be the savior. This can't be the Messiah. Let's be honest. 
we're getting caught up in the technicalities instead of the what just happened, the miracle of what just happened. So the Twitter question I would have for you this week is, are we in the middle of a miracle? Defend your answer. I would argue at this point, and we'll see where I'm at next week, but I would argue one stance that you can take is yes, because I feel as a world, we're suddenly listening to each other a lot more. We genuinely care about each other, it feels like, a lot more. And suddenly all these things that we were bickering about have somewhat disappeared, and it's more of how can we help all of us together. It doesn't matter what your race, your background, your political affiliation, your identity is. We are suddenly realizing that we are human beings. And to me, if that's the case, that's a miracle. The other thing that I've thought about with all of this is that as we are having this catastrophe and then we are going through this in the northern hemisphere, spring is coming. Spring is happening, and the rest of creation is going to still go on with spring. Whether we are quarantined inside or doing what we normally do, we are still going to see the birds come back. We are still going to see the leaves pop from the trees. We're going to still see the snow melt and the grass appear and the flowers grow. All these things keep happening. And are these simple miracles that we just overlook, where we're Pharisees to the world that's happening around us? So I'll see if I'm still in the same spot next week, but I wonder what are we being blind to? So two Twitter questions will be, are we in the middle of a miracle? Defend your answer. And what are we being blind to? Because I think there are things that all of us are blind to. And that's the beautiful thing about humankind is we help each other see some of our own blindness in others and ourselves. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. And stay healthy out there.